Well, good evening. How's everybody doing tonight? Amen. Blessed and highly favored. There it is. Hallelujah. Well, listen, let's come in and find our place in here. We're going to get ready to worship tonight. We're going to get ready to have an amazing time. And we uh, was in here praying earlier, and I'm telling you, it's just such a sweet spirit here tonight and a, sp a spirit of freedom, which was awesome. Sorry, I'm grabbing some water. So listen, we want to worship tonight. We want to love Jesus. If you want to worship with a flag, we have the flags up here. Feel free to come up here and, and, and worship and love on the Lord. And uh, yeah, we got some guys here, but we're going to hide out in the back and stuff, you know. But uh, we're going to have a great time. But uh, my, my sister here is, is Sister Susan Richardson. She's just a housewife. Just remember that. Uh, I, I said, God, almost 20-something years. I and, and, and that's always remember that about her. Always remember that about her. And you'd always think if God could use a housewife from Onalaska, Texas, that's what she says, he can use you. And I'm like, you know what? He can put up with me too then. So, but listen, so sister, I release you into what God has called you to do and what he has anointed you to do. And the only expectation we have is that it is biblical and it is from him. The only ceiling we place is there isn't one. We want everything God has released to you and flow in those gifts and be free to move in this place. I release you as the pastor to move in this place as you are led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you want to come up during worship, whatever you feel the Lord is doing, I release you to this service. So come on, guys, let's raise our hands tonight. And we're going to pray and we're going to. Father, we thank you that we get to be in your presence tonight. Lord, and I thank you that you are already moving in this place, Lord. We have sensed your spirit since we got here today, almost like you were waiting on us. God, we come to magnify your name. We come to praise the only name, the name worthy above all names, Jesus. But Lord, we ask also that you would pour out your spirit afresh upon us tonight. Lord, as we've released our sister to move in this place, Lord, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Move through her tonight. Father, we ask for signs, wonders, and miracles. We ask that lives would be forever changed. Oh, God, receive these, this praise that we bring to you tonight and be glorified by all that we do in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, shout an amen with me tonight. Hallelujah. Come on.
God, all I am, I give you permission. My heart is yours. I want you. I want you to come and consume my all I am. I give you permission. My heart is yours. I want you. I want you to come and 
God, all I am. I give you permission, my heart. It's yours. I want you. I want you. Yeah. 
We can't play church anymore. We can't just run around singing songs we don't believe. We can't just run around wearing the right t-shirts and expect that something's going to change. God, we truly need your spirit. We're going to be your church. your spirit in this region. Pour out your spirit right here tonight. Let's show
deserve the glory. Come on, let me hear you. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory.
some praise tonight. Hallelujah. Come on, y'all can be seated tonight. Hallelujah. Man, isn't God amazing? Okay, hallelujahs. Hey, you're I think on. I, I think I'm on. Yeah, I you were on. I got hallelujah. it turned on, yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Woo, Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all are spread out like dinner on the ground. <laughs> Hallelujah. Would y'all have a problem moving to this side so we could maybe preach on this side, or do I have to stand right here? Just in the middle? in the middle? Oh, camera's in the middle. Well, never mind, then I'm just going to stand right here. How about that? Huh? Thank you so much. Let me get my water real quick. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor Wendy, Pastor Richard, for having me and my husband, Charlie. I, I laughed, and I, we... Um, when we came into town, we were going to check into the hotel, but there was a hostage situation. I, I said, come into town and cause a hostage situation. Wow, the devil must really be a scared of what I'm going to say tonight or this weekend. Hallelujah, a scared. Didn't you like that? That's a Texas word unless y'all y'all knew that or not. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm Susan Richardson. For those of you that don't know me, uh, I have a ministry called Love Never Fails. I am a housewife from Onalaska, Texas. When we moved to Onalaska, it was about 798 people. Then my children both went to college, and it was 796. Uh, so, um, uh, but it's a little bit bigger now. When we moved, to, when we actually moved to Onalaska 25 years ago, there wasn't even a high school in Onalaska. I mean, that's crazy. And I've of course, you know, I, being who I am, I decided we needed a high school, so I got on the committee, and we had, now I have a high school. My husband blames me for our higher taxes, so hallelujah, but glory to God, amen. So we have a high school now, praise Jesus, but this is my husband for the past 38 years. This is the love of my life beside of Jesus. Um, uh, we've been married for 38 years. We have two children. Jake is 35, and Abby Elizabeth is almost 33. And so uh, uh, both of my children are married, praise God. They just got married. We thought they were going to be just career people and that kind of thing. And everybody said, oh, don't you want grandkids? And my husband, my daughter got married. She's been married four years now to this most wonderful man named Scott. And I'm going to give you a little bit of clue. If you have small children, when I was pregnant with my daughter, Abby, my son was playing. And I'll take a thousand rabbit trails. Y'all just have to listen to me. And where I go, I promise I'll make a point. I was rocking one day. I was pregnant with my daughter and I was rocking and I was praying in the spirit. My three-year-old son was playing right in front of me, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, you do know their spouses have already been born, and I was like, okay, I mean, because who really is thinking about spouses when you're pregnant and have a three-year-old, right, you're really not, and all of a sudden, the Lord said, if you'll pray, I'll give you everything that you want in a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law, 
And so I started praying at that moment in time for everything that I wanted in a husband for my daughter and everything, because I knew I was going to have a girl, and everything that I wanted in a wife for my son. And can I tell you, I can testify to you that my son just got married October the 16th of this past year, and my daughter in love is everything that I ever would have asked for in a daughter in love for my son. She is a beautiful young woman. She She's just, everything about her is wonderful. And my son-in-love, my son-in-love, who's been married to my daughter, Abby, for four years. Uh, and he is literally, I love Scott so much. I told him one day, I said, I think I'm about to love you more than I love Abby Elizabeth. And he said, don't tell her that. But I'm telling you, I love this son-in-love of mine. I absolutely love him. And he's everything I would have ever asked for, for a, for a man to be a man to my, to my daughter, to be a husband to my daughter. Amen. And so we're both very blessed by that. But our daughter told us this story. She said, Mom, she said, you do know that Scott and I aren't going to have any children. And I said, okay, like that was going to be a, an issue for me, right? And uh, she told her dad, she said, well, you do know Scott and I aren't going to have any children. Her daddy told her, he said, Abby Elizabeth, he said, I just need to let you know that if your mother and I would have found miniature schnauzers before you were born, you'd have never been born. So I just want you to know. <laughs> So don't throw down at me that we're not going to have any kids. I don't think that's going to upset me. And my husband and I, just so you know, we have five miniature schnauzers. I am that crazy dog lady, right? I got my, fi my first miniature schnauzer probably 18 years ago. And I had prayed for him. And I had been telling my husband, I said, I want a miniature schnauzer. I want a schnauzer dog. And he said, you don't need a dog. And I said, but I want a dog. He said, but you don't need a dog. I said, but I want a dog. And so, anyway, and he, I mean, very few things in my life I've ever asked him for wanting, and he has never told me no, but he told me no about this dog, right? And so, one day I was having one of those broom tree moments, if you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about one of those moments where you think God doesn't think you exist, God doesn't know you exist, and God doesn't care, God doesn't hear your prayers, right? And so, anyway, one day I'm having this moment. I've had several moments of these, and that night I went to bed, and I cried myself to sleep, telling the Lord, God, do you even know that I exist? Do you even know that this housewife from Onalaska, Texas, is here, laying here in this room, and you're not talking to me? And being a prophet set in the five-fold ministry, when God doesn't speak, it's extremely disheartening. Literally, you go and you repent for everything you ever thought you ever did, and you repented for things you did 20 years ago, and you're still repenting, and you're like, oh, God, I, I know you've already forgiven me, but just in case you didn't, I'm going to ask you again because, my God, please talk to me. Anyone ever been there before, right? Okay, so I'm having this moment, and then that morning he comes in there, and he says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to help my brother-in-law set up a tent, and I said, whatever. So I get in my chair, and I said, go and be safe, have a good time get in my chair, get my Bible, and I'm sitting there saying, God, please, just speak something to me. Speak anything to me, and this is just words on paper, right? And so I just spent the whole day in the chair and, and sitting trying to get the Lord to speak something to me with my Bible in my lap, and nothing. And so I decided, well, I'm going to go ahead and go get the kids at school. And so I went and did that, and I came home, and I said, well, I need to be at least productive today. Anyone ever had one of those kind of days? I need to do something productive. So because I was in the depressed state that I was, I decided I'd balance my checkbook. So, hey, that's, isn't that really wise, right? So I'm sitting there balancing my checkbook, and the back door of the garage opens, and in walks this man holding a nine-month-old white miniature schnauzer. And that somebody, my sister Kathy had called, somebody called my sister and said, we have this miniature schnauzer, do you want him? And she said, my sister is wanting one. Long story short, he goes all the way to Liberty to pick up this dog for me. And when he walked in the door with that dog, I burst into tears and started crying. Not because he brought me the dog, but because God finally spoke to me. And God said, Susan, he said, you see, I know exactly where you're at. I know exactly what the desires of your hearts are, the heart of, the, of your heart is. 
He said, and I will always give you the desires of your hearts, even the desires that man has said no to. I will give them to you. And so anyway, I remember just bursting into tears because God had spoken to me. Well, he gives me this, this dog, and I called him my God dog. And I truly believe that God's name spelled backward is dog for a reason. I really believe that with all of my heart. And a lot of people got offended with me because I called him my God dog, but he was my God dog. And I had Max for 15 years. And he, when he, y'all, and of course, you know, I laughed because when he told me no, that I couldn't have Max, I ended up getting three more, right? <laughs> Just like Max, because all of a sudden everybody found out I rescued schnauzers and they would call me and they were all white and they were all miniature, these little miniature schnauzers. And so we had Max, then we had Jack, then we had Molly, then we had Daisy, right? Well, Max passes away and now I have three miniature god dogs. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I said, and I, one day I was sitting in my chair and Max had been dead for about two months. And I tell the Lord one morning in my quiet time, you know, God, I said, I have a hole in my heart where Max was because I loved that dog. I loved him. And I said, I have a hole in my heart where he's at. And so I'm just asking you, Father, to fill this just with your, and I'm thinking the balm of Gilead. I'm thinking, you know, the oil of joy for gladness, you know, for mourning, whatever. I'm thinking all these things. And then the next day he walks in, same kind of scenario. I'm cooking dinner. He walks in, and he has this little 14-week-old puppy, miniature schnauzer in his hand, and I burst into tears because we had discussed this. If they, when they start dying off, we're not going to get any more, okay? We're not getting any more schnauzers. We have enough schnauzers. We travel too much. I'm on the road too much, and it's a lot to take care of that many schnauzers, right? And so anyway, he comes walking in, and I said, oh, my God. I said, I thought we didn't think, I thought we said we weren't going to get any more. And he said, all I know is that yesterday morning when I woke up, he said, the minute I opened my eyes, he said, I heard the audible voice of God, and God spoke to me and told me, go get your wife another schnauzer. So we got Moon Pie. So now we have Jack, I know, and that's the sweetest name. <laughs> He's so nummy, nummy. That's why we call him Moon Pie. And I'll tell you a little bit. I mean, I talk more about my dogs than my kids, so y'all know how that is, right? But um, then... All of a sudden, one day, I'm sitting in my chair. A lot of things happen when I'm sitting in my chair having my quiet time with the Lord. I'm looking at all four of my beautiful little miniature cream-colored, white-colored schnauzers. And I think a thought crosses my mind. God, I'd love to have a black miniature schnauzer. And then I thought, oh, my God, what was I thinking? I'm crazy. That's nuts. That's just nuts. I don't No, no, no. Well, we go to a service that Friday night, and we're praying and prophesying at the altar, and this lady walks up to me, and she says, the Lord says to tell you that black miniature schnauzer you want, he's going to give it to you. And I was like, oh, my God. Well, that night we go to bed, and he's, we're taking the pillows off the bed, and he says, I don't know what she was talking about. He said, but I'm going to tell you right now, there's no to that. We are not getting another schnauzer. And I said, I totally agree with that. I said, but be real careful because when you tell me no, I get multiple of what you tell me no of. He said, oh, you're right. I need to not say that, right? So long story short, we now have a black miniature schnauzer, and his name is Little Man, and he's about six, seven months old. He's about 10 pounds, and he is the sweetest thing since last bread, I'm going to tell you. Oh, my God, he's adorable, and we're so crazy about him. But let me tell you what I didn't get him for me. My 82-year-old mother lives with us now full-time. And my mother's the one telling me, Susan, you don't need another miniature schnauzer. I'm like, Mother, I totally agree. I absolutely agree with you that I don't need another miniature schnauzer. But guess whose miniature schnauzer that dog is? But guess whose dog that is? It's my mother. My mother rocks that dog to sleep every day after he eats his dinner. <laughs> she rocks that puppy to sleep after he eats his breakfast. In the morning. It's ridiculous. And so anyway, he's, he's just too cute. Y'all can go on my Facebook and see pictures of them. I, I chronicle all their lives. I actually, and I have, to, I have to tell you all this, right? We just remodeled our house. 
We have no pictures hanging up of our children. But we have pictures every corner, nook, and cranny of those dogs. It is ridiculous. And so we even have a picture of Moon Pie. And these are artist sketches, drawings that we actually paid people to make for us. So don't be throwing down, no, I'm not going to have any grandchildren give you, we're like, hey, <laughs> it's all right with us, so we're perfectly fine. Anyway, now we're going to get into the Word, glory to God. Now that y'all know about my miniature schnauzers, and I am that crazy dog lady, amen. I want to tell you tonight that as I was praying about what God wanted me to bring to the ladies, God began to speak to me and he began to tell me, and he said this, he said, I am raising up a company of women to be used in the last days. They are prepped, which means to be made ready to do whatever the Lord says. And obedience is going to be the motivation above all else. Obedience will be your benchmark in everything. I can tell you right now, if you are not going to be obedient to the Lord, you might as well hang it up because God, God is not going to use it. That's all. God above all else must have those that are going to be obedient to him. And what he's doing in these last days, obedience is going to be the benchmark of your life. And it should be the benchmark in everything you do. That whatever the Lord says to do, whatever he says to do, you go and you do it. Because some of this, some of the things that the Lord would tell you to do could literally be life and death for somebody. It could literally be something hanging in the balance. You know, and something could be just as simple as in the Lord tells you to sow a specific seed. Or the Lord tells you to get up today. I want you to get up and I want you to go to Walmart. Well, I don't know why I have to go to Walmart. I don't need anything. And you know what I'm talking about when you literally talk yourself out of being obedient to the Lord? I got a story about that. Can you believe it? One day I pulled into the church parking lot and I went to park where I always parked. Everybody have that thing? And the Holy Spirit says, don't park there. And I went, in my mind, but I always park there. I always park there. So I parked there and I was driving his brand new truck. And so when I come out of church, there's a huge den about this big in the side panel of the truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, what happened? And my son's like, mom, mom, I'm so sorry. You know, I didn't mean for this to happen. I, I didn't mean for this to happen. He said, we were roughhousing. And I was like, I have told you repeatedly to stop roughhousing. He said, well, I jumped on his back and he went like that. And my rear end went into the, and that's what called. I was like, get in the truck right now. You just get in there right now, you know. And so, you know, I know none of y'all ever do that to your children. But I'm like, get in that car right now. And so we're going down the road. And I am just ripping him a new one. And I am saying, oh, my God, when we get home and your daddy is home from work, I said, oh, my, I, you, I said, you're going to pay for this. And blah, blah, you know. I know y'all don't talk to your kids like that, but that's how I was talking to mine. And all of a sudden, I said, and I said, I have told you repeatedly not to do that. I said, this is your fault. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in audible voice said, no, this is your fault. And I was like, <gasps> what? And he said, this is your fault. And I said, how is this my fault? He said, I told you not to park there. I was like, okay. So it really was my fault. Because see, that's what we do. And that's how the enemy gets us is we literally self-reason ourselves out of being obedient. And we miss opportunities, and we put ourselves in places that we... Because if I'd have just parked, if I'd just have obeyed right from the beginning and, and would have done what Holy Spirit said, we would have never had to have $500 out of our pocket for the deductible to fix this brand new truck, right? So anyway, I don't know who that was for, but that was for somebody. In Psalm 68, 11 through 12, this is what the Word says. It says, The Lord gave the Word, and great was the company... Of those who proclaimed it. Kings of armies flee. And they flee. And she who remains at home divides the spoil. The word company in that scripture actually means a group of women. This is actually talking about a feminine pronoun is what it's talking about. And so God is raising up women in these last days. And great is going to be the company of those who proclaim it. The word being proclaimed by the women of God. 
In Matthew 26, 6 through 13, you know, there's a story of a woman who pours a costly boil, a bottle of oil over the head of Jesus, right? And the people around her or him get indignant and said, you know, why wasn't this oil spent for something like to feed the poor or whatever? And the Lord says, you know, this woman's done a great thing for me. For, and he makes this statement. He said, for she has anointed my body for burial, is what he says. And this is what Holy Spirit spoke to me. And I said, God said, if a God could use a woman to prepare the body of Christ for his burial, wouldn't it stand a reason that he would use a woman to prepare his body for his return? Amen. So if he used a woman to prepare his body for burial, trust me, women of God, he's going to use you to prepare his body for his return. Amen. Amen. God has prepped and made ready a company that will do his bidding. Her wick is trimmed and her uh, oil jar is full. Amen. Now, okay, because, you know, how many of you in here have been through something recently? Yeah. Everybody's laughing. Everybody, every hand should go up. If it didn't go up, I'm going to pray for you because I think you're probably lying, right? You know, many years ago, as I was studying, I was praying, and I asked the Lord. I studied in Matthew uh, 3, 13 through 16. Jesus goes into the Jordan River to be baptized by John, and when he comes up out of the water, the Word of God says that the heavens were opened to him, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, right? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says that those that were waiting in the upper room, that when the Holy Spirit got poured out, it got poured out in the form of what? Fire, right? So I don't know about you, but I just asked Holy Spirit a very simple question, and I said, God, I said, why, when Holy Spirit was poured out upon Jesus, did it come in the form of a dove? But when it was poured out upon us, it came in the form of fire. And God spoke this word, and he said, because fire has purpose. Because fire has purpose, okay? And that's why, ladies, that you have been through some fire, right? That's why you've been through some stuff recently. That's why some fire has shown up in your life, because it has purpose. Amen? Uh, I wrote here, I said, some people or some women are lost in the fire and some are built by it. Which one are you? Some will literally let the fire do in them what it needs to do. Some will let the fire purge and burn and cleanse. I don't know about you. My prayer to the Lord is, God, I want you to burn it, purge it, chop it, cleanse it. Whatever you have to do in me to, so, to, to do in me so that you can use me and move through me, then, God, I'm asking you to do that. And some of you, you know, remember when you have these beautiful worship times when you're praying and you're worshiping the Lord and all this going, and you're like, God, I want to be used for your glory. How many have ever prayed that prayer, right? And then the next week, all hell begins to break loose in your life. And you're like, God, what happened? And God's like, I'm just answering your prayer. What prayer? I promise I won't ever pray it again. Right? What prayer was that? God, I want to be used for your glory. And fire has purpose. Fire's cleaning out the vessel. Because I can tell you right now, there's a lot of things that when I'm going through in my life, when I feel myself going through the fire, when I feel myself in the midst of the fiery furnace, because I can tell you in the midst of the furnace, God's doing a lot of business. I, I, I always say, God, you're either taking something out or you're putting something in or you're doing it both at the same time. Anyone ever experienced that? Amen. Those that are lost in the fire play the victim because they think that what was done to them makes them special. You know, I, I, I know this might sound kind of blunt, and I don't at all make, uh, make light of any pain or abuse that you might have been through, but I can tell you right now, I minister to women all over the world, all over the country. I preach in women's groups, ministries, and things of that nature. And everywhere I go, I always run into women who have been abused in some kind of way. I literally could open a bottle of water, swing it out here, and everywhere the water touched, somebody would have been abused in some way. 
But you know, the thing about it is, is the enemy loves to keep us caught in those cycles. He loves to keep us in that victim mentality. And the thing about it is, is what God wants to do in you, that's why he brings the fire to pour, purge that stuff out of you, to break that victim mentality out of you. Because the devil knows if you ever get delivered from that victim mentality and you allow the fire of the Holy Ghost to get down on the inside of you and bring that pain up and heal that pain inside of you, the devil knows there's going to be an anointing upon on your life that you're going to use to kick his rear end come on now and that's the whole purpose of God I mean God didn't cause the pain and he didn't cause the trauma and he most certainly didn't cause the drama but I can tell you right now God will most certainly use it for purpose and glory amen all things work together for the good of those that love God and are called according to his purpose God didn't cause your pain but he most certainly will use it amen I put the fire that the devil sent to destroy you as the very fire that God will use to forge you. He will forge you if you will allow it. Because God is a gentleman and he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to force you to answer the call upon your life. Life can get miserable until you do. Trust me, I, had, um, I, I fought God kicking and screaming to be pulled into this place here. I fought him kicking and screaming. I, he said, I've called you to be a, a prophet to the nations. I've called you to go to the highways and the byways and compel them to come in. I've called, I've called you to go and prophesy and preach all over the world the good news of Jesus Christ. And I said, but God, I'm a woman. Don't you think he probably knew that when he created me? When he created me in my mother's womb and called me, don't you think he probably knew what he was putting? He was putting lady parts inside of me, that he knew why he made lady parts inside of me, that he was going to call me, I mean, to be a prophet and a preacher to the world. I mean, come on. And I said, but God, I'm a housewife. I'm a mother. I'm a woman. And every excuse, he said, I'm aware of that, but I've called you. But I'm aware of that. I've called you. I've called you. I've called you. And so one day, I, I'll never forget, I was in my living room, I was vacuuming, and I was having this conversation with the Lord yet once again about the fact that I am a woman. And I made this statement to the Lord. I said, God, why can't I just do like what I'm doing right now? And all of a sudden, in the middle of vacuuming my floor and praying and talking to the Lord, I felt him grab me by the hair of my head, and he pulled me before the throne. And I was standing before the throne just like this. I mean, because I might have had a little bit of attitude. I was standing before the Lord, and I looked, and the Lord looked. The Lord did this to me, and he pulled his hand back, and he said, Susan, this is what you did for me with your life. And I looked, and it was all good stuff. It was, taking, it was teaching Bible school. It was, I mean, like vacation Bible school. It was taking meals to people that were sick. It was going to visit people in the hospital, and it was doing what we as a church would consider good stuff. But can I tell you that good stuff is not always God's stuff? And then the Lord said to me the words that I never want to hear him speak to me ever again. He said, but Susan, this is what I wanted you to do with your life. And he pulled his hand back and it was me going to the nations. It was me prophesying. It was me standing in foreign soil and doing things that as a woman I never would have imagined I could have been able to do or, or should and the religion I was raised in should have ever done, right? Because women didn't do that kind of thing. And they most certainly didn't say, thus saith the Lord behind it. Hallelujah. And so I came out of that vision, and I was in a puddle of snot and tears on my floor, and I told the Lord, I said, I yield to you, and I surrender my life fully to you, God, that if you can do anything with this housewife, I ask you to do it. And six weeks later, I was on the mission field. Six weeks later. I had babies starting kindergarten. I had a son in second grade. My daughter was starting pre-K. My husband was working a full-time job, seven on and seven off. 
and I had, and here I am on the mission field in Russia for six weeks, my very first mission trip to the coldest place on God's green earth. No, not amen. No, I am so not a cold-natured person. I, it was, the water was so cold it froze into a solid block of ice, of, of ice in the glass of water that I had by the bed. That's how cold it was. And they told me, this is kind of funny, they told me when you come, just bring a light jacket because it's going to be a, it's our mild time of the year. It was the coldest, coldest time that they had in the history of taking history of the weather of the Ukraine. And it was like, oh my, it snowed. It was like, I, all I had was a light jacket, kind of like what you had. It was, it was ridiculous, literally ridiculous. But I'm telling you what, in the midst of being in the, what I considered hell, in the st around stinky people, because I'm very uh, sensitive to smells. I mean, you're praying for people and you're wanting to gag because they smell. I mean, come on now. But I'm happier than a dead pig in the sunshine, can I tell you? And then, of course, here I go. Then I, I go on that trip, and then God calls me to Africa. And he sends me to a place in the middle of the bush. And can I tell you, I'm in, I'm in the 160-something miles inside the jungle of Africa. And these people come out because they've never seen a quasi-mazungu, which is a white woman. They've never seen a white person. And they come out from all of this place. And I pull up into this, into this field. And there's, there's just rows and seas and seas and rows of people have come out of every place in nook and cranny, 160 miles into the jungle. There is no electricity, there's no bathroom, there's nothing. And I look at this and I say, God, what in the world am I going to do? How am I going to preach? What am I going to do here? And the, Well, and I'll, I'll tell you what the, deal, what the thing with that is, is that I always had this thing about myself is that I hated these two things about myself. I hated the fact that I was so loud, that I'm loud, that God made me so loud. I said, God, why did you make me so loud? I'm always so loud. I'm the loudest person in the room. I'm the loudest talker. I'm the loudest laugher. I'm the loudest crier. It's ridiculous. Why did you make me so loud and why did you make me so emotional? And I'll never forget, I'm standing in that jungle, 160 miles in the, in the, in the jungle, in the bush. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? And the Lord said, you're going to stand on that little rickety stage and you're going to open that loud mouth and you're going to preach the gospel. And so I stood on that housewife from on Alaska, Texas, people, stood on that rickety stage, opened my mouth, and I preached the gospel. And people on the back row got saved and came to know Jesus just because I yielded myself to let God do in me what he needed to do in me so he could do through me what he wanted to do through me and take the very things that I hated the most about myself and use them for purpose and glory. Those things that you hate about yourself, I'm telling you, God absolutely loves them and he created you to be the way you are for a certain reason. You know, it's like, well, God, I just my personality irritates everybody, but there's going to be somebody that don't irritate, I promise. Amen. And you're going to have the words to say to them that are going to lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's things, I'm very blunt. I, I, I'm, I'm blunt. And I tell you what, there's a lot of places I go where the people absolutely love me, but the, pa but the pastor's like, uh, no, nah, you're, you're just too real. You're just too real for us. Because I'm very real. My, one of the things when the Lord called me to preach is I told him, I said, God, I want to do two things. I said, number one, I said, I want to be as real as rain. If you're going to make me stand before the people, I want to be as real as rain. I don't ever want you to look at my life and think that I have, have it all together, that everything in my life has been a bed of roses, because I can tell you right now it's not been. But I can testify to the goodness of my God in the midst of every single thing that I have ever been through, every loss that I have ever had to endure. And I tell you, I told the Lord, I said, God, I can't stand the fact that I can't hardly talk about you without crying. I'm so emotional. I literally, people say, the first time I ever met you, you were crying. 
And the last time I ever saw you, you were crying. And every time I see you in between, you're crying. And I said, well, I can't talk about Jesus without crying. I love him so much. And God has taken those two things and used them to further advance the kingdom of God in people's lives. Amen. And so anyway, I'm going to tell you the forging, uh, to be forged, right? If you'll allow God to come in and forge you. What the word forge means is to form by heating and beating. Doesn't that sound fun? By heating and beating, God will heat you and beat you into the form and the shape that he needs you to be in. Amen? He will take you and he will use you. You know, I wrote here, I said, some people, are, some women are more interested in ministry than they are integrity and in character. You know, because the fact of the matter is the anointing will take you to places and it'll open doors for you. But if you don't have the character and the integrity when you get there, you'll be miserably fallen. Come on now. I mean, we've seen it happen already all over the news. You see it in somebody's been. And the thing about it is it's because you won't let God deal with it here before God takes you there. If you let God deal with it here so that when he takes you there and he puts you on a platform and he puts you before people, amen, there'll be character and integrity there because you, why? You let God forge it in you here. You let God forge it, beat it out of you. It's like, God, whatever you got to do in me, do in me so you can do through me what you want to do through me. That is one of my prayers and one of my cries. And guess what? It's a perpetual thing. It's a, it's a continual thing. Because, I mean, I'll never forget. I'll tell you my coffee pot story. My motto, y'all have to know, is no coffee, no Jesus. So coffee's very serious to me. God and I have a standing understanding that if he asks me to fast and pray, it will never include coffee, ever. It never includes coffee, right? And so one morning I get up and I go down the hall at 5 o'clock in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, I go to my coffee pot. I put my little pot in there and I start it and it makes all the gurgling sound like it's making me a cup of coffee. And what had been so funny was is the day before I was standing there and I said, you know what, God, I got this love never fails thing down. I got this thing down. I am walking in love. I am overlooking suffered wrongs. God, I am literally, I am, I got this love thing down. I mean, in my mind I thought that, golly, how stupid was I? Put that coffee pot in there, and it sounds like it's making me a cup of coffee. I go over there, and that cup is empty. I lost my mind. <laughs> I screamed to the top of my lungs. I went, because it had been giving me a little bit of trouble the last couple of days, and I went, <gasps> I'm not kidding. I picked that thing up. I threw it. I dumped it in the sink. And I mean, then I threw it down on the ground. I jumped up and down on it. It was scattered into a million pieces. I kicked it all the way across the kitchen, all the way across the living room, talking to it like a sailor on a ship, cussing it like it was a yard. I mean, I'm talking ugly on every level came out of me. I'm going to tell on myself because I think, oh, you know, I never would do that. Yeah, okay. So anyway, I'm cussing it. I'm I'm calling it all sorts of, I'm kicking it all the way across the kitchen, I'm kicking it all the way across the living room, I'm kicking it all the way out the door, I open the back door of the garage, I kick that garage door open, I kick that stupid thing out in the garage, I kicked it all the way across the garage, then I picked it up and threw it in the trash can, then I went and sat down in my chair and I got on Amazon and ordered me a brand new one and had it delivered in one day. <laughs> and my husband comes down the hall and this is what he does, comes down the hall like this. And he says, well, isn't that love that never fails? <laughs> and I burst into tears, and I cried and repented the entire day. And thought, God, I know nothing about walking in love that's patient and kind and overlooks. I know nothing about walking in love. 
And that is my famous coffee pot story, and I tell it. People are shocked. I know, sweet girl. People are shocked that I would act like that. Somebody who is in full-time ministry, somebody who is actually a pastor of a church, somebody who says and has a ministry called love, never fails. Can you imagine the shock when God, when it hit me and it occurred to me that God actually expects that I would walk in a love that never fails. When my idea is I want to get a jawbone and kill them all and tell God they died. I know y'all never feel that way. But can I tell you, it's in the forging of the fire. You and I really must have a lot in common. She's left at everything I've said. You know, I put, and that's what I'm talking about, being in the fire and letting God purge that garbage out of you. I laughed because all God had to hit was one sacred cow in my life, touch my coffee pot. And I lost my mind. And the only coffee lovers will understand that, right? In Vine's Bible Dictionary, the term fire, you know, we need the fire. We want to be forged in it, and fire comes by heating and beating, right? Vine's Bible Dictionary defines fire as this. It is the holiness of God which consumes all that is inconsistent with the holiness of God. The fire of God will consume anything that does not look like Jesus. Why, are you, why am I going through this fire? Because you need to look like Jesus. Why is this happening in my life? Anybody ever said that before to the Lord? I don't understand. Well, it's because you're called. It's because there's an anointing and God is trying to get, that, get you into that place of calling and he's trying to get that anointing to come out of you. It's because you said, here I am, God, use me for your purpose and for your glory. Amen? Amen. And, it's, it's, and the fire of God is going to burn up anything that's inconsistent with the holiness of God. It is symbolic of that which tries the faith of the saints, producing what will glorify God. Not you, not your name, not your reputation or your ministry, that which will glorify God. I'm so tired of seeing all these ministries where all you see is their name. It's whatever their name is dot com or whatever their name is dot org. I mean, you know, really, their, their name's got to be in lights. I mean, I'm like, where, is the, where do we get to the fact where ministers truly be like Jesus? And that is wash the feet of those that they are serving. I don't have a problem with people doing for those that are in ministry because the word says that we're worthy of double honor. I mean, literally, because it's a lot of work to stand behind the pulpit and do this kind of thing. But when you begin to believe your own press and you begin to think that, you're, the, that your name is great and all of a sudden it's not about Jesus anymore, there's an issue with that. And you need to take yourself to the altar of God, lay yourself down and say, burn, baby, burn. Amen? Amen. So, hallelujah. Fire has purpose. It will burn up every agenda except for God's. How many of you in here said, oh, well, you know, when I grow up, this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to be and I'm going to marry a man, I'm going to have 2.5 kids and have a dog and all this kind of stuff. I can tell you in my little round world, never one time in my round world did it ever occur to me that I would go on the mission field, that I would be in the position of a pastor, that I would be in the position of having a a full-time ministry kind of thing. All I wanted to do was to be a wife, a mother, and a teacher. But God had other plans for me, and it took a yielding on my part, a purging, a cleansing on my part, on, on God doing it in me so he could do in me what he needed to do in me so he could do through me what he wanted to do through me. Amen. Let me, get, let me tell you what um, fire means in the dictionary. Amen. 
I put, I put, most people don't want to be a part of the process. They just want the outcome. But can I tell you, you're not going to ever get the outcome unless you go through the process. Amen? Amen. We don't, God doesn't need renegades in, his, in, in the kingdom. What he needs is people that are obedient to do his will and go where he says go and do what he says do and actually do it his way. Amen? Amen. Because I've tried to do it my way before and it failed miserably. How many can I get a testimony to that? Fire means a burning passion. It means to give life or spirit to. You know, most people are afraid of the fire. They're fearful of it because they think, well, if I go through, if God, if I, if I lay myself on the altar and I allow you to put fire to that altar, God, and I ask you to burn up in me what's not consistent with your character or your integrity or, your, or your, uh, uh, what you look like, if I'm asking you to burn up what doesn't look like you inside of me, that's going to hurt the baby. You know, but I can tell you fire has more purpose than just bringing pain to your flesh. Fire it causes a burning passion. Fire will give life and it will give spirit to something. Fire will cause you to be inspired because I can tell you going through the fire is what caused me to yield myself to this point right here that I'm at. And tell the Lord, yes, Father, I will go to the nations if that's what you require of me. I will go to Africa. I'm a girly girl unless you have been able to tell. I like, I like to get my hair done. I like to get my nails done. I like facials. I like massages. I came home one day and I said, you know, I like going to the get a massage. I like going to get my hair done. I love getting my nails done. I love getting a pedicure. I love doing all that stuff. And I love coming home to a clean house and all that kind of stuff. And my husband says, well, you, I guess you think you're a queen. I said, wait a minute, I'm not. I have the wave. I got the wave. I can do all that, right? You know? And then all of a sudden, this girly girl, this frilly frou-frou girl, ends up in Africa in a bush with cockroaches as big as the size of my hand hissing at you and flying across the room at you at midnight after you've been up for 48 straight hours traveling and preaching the gospel. And you finally get to your hotel room. And you're finally able to lay down in the hotel room. Come on now. And then all of a sudden, you turn the light off. And I felt this across my forehead. Yeah, honey. That's exactly how I reacted. Can I tell you that's exactly how I reacted? I woke up screaming like somebody was doing ugly things to me. And I turned the light on and there were these three-inch hissing African cockroaches all over my room. There was hundreds of them. Hundreds of them. And I'm sitting there about to literally lose my mind. I'm crying and I'm screaming and I'm swatting and they're flying at my head and I'm just having an almost a nervous breakdown in, in the name of Jesus. And I finally was able to lay down with a flashlight and do this all night long because if I kept it on, they wouldn't crawl on me type of thing. And then the next morning to find out that the kettle that I poured under the instant coffee grounds did not work. So if you think I kicked a coffee pot across my room and lost my mind, can you imagine after this night and 48 straight hours of no sleep, how I reacted I went outside and I had a broom tree moment I'm sitting there and the young man that I had brought with me on the trip I hear him in his room and he's praising Jesus and I was like I hate him I hate his guts I curse you none of y'all have ever felt like that before but I hate his guts God how dare he be happy when this is the most miserable day I have ever been in my life the most miserable I have ever been and the Lord says but this is the day that I've made Rejoice and be glad in it. 
but I'm not a happy child. I'm not a happy child. I'm not a good girl, nor am I a happy child. I'm like, oh, I'm having a, like bad moments here. And the Lord said, but this is the day that I have made. Rejoice and be glad in it. All right, God. I praise you. I praise you. I give you glory. I give you honor. I kind of felt this little percolating up in here. I said, all right, God, I feel that. Okay. This is the day you've made. I love you. I bless you. And all of a sudden, the young lady that was traveling with me at the time hollers, I got the kettle to work. And I was like, hallelujah, there is a God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah. See, I mean, you know, you never know what you go through. But fire is going to have purpose. Fire is going to cause you to start operating. It's going to drive out that which doesn't look like Jesus. And it's going to drive away from you or be as if by force it's going to cause it to come out it's going to cause you fire is going to cause you to explode it's going to cause you to detonate to propel from as as or as if from a gun to discharge and fire will cause you to launch amen i see i see by the spirit there's so many of you right now you're simmering and that you're simmering on that place you're simmering the lord is just simmering 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 slowly slowly but he is ready to ignite the fire under you he is ready to launch you out and to do some things inside of you he's just waiting on you to basically yield yourself to him you know jesus said in luke 24 49 he said behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry in the city of jerusalem until you are endued with power on high anyone endued means to sink into and to be fully clothed with anyone asked to be endued lately anyone asked to be endued lately God, I need you to endue me because I want you to sink so deep into me. I want to be so fully clothed with you that when people see me, they see Jesus. We sing about it. We sang the words tonight, oh, God, I want more of you. Really? Do you want more of him? I don't know about you, but my heart cries, I don't want more of Jesus. I really don't want more of Jesus. What I want is all of him. I don't want just more of him. I want all of him. And I told the Lord many years ago that I was not willing to settle for anything more or less than all of him in my life, right? Because I could do you no good at all. But I tell you what, if I let myself look like Jesus and I let myself be yielded and molded and made in his likeness and in his image, amen, and everywhere I go I display him, because I can tell you the, the, the real Susan is the one who kicks the coffee pot across the room. And throws it in the garbage out in the garage. And screams and loses her mind over not having a cup of coffee. That's the real me. The real me, we, like I said, get a jawbone and kill you till God you died. You were so like me. Hallelujah. Fire will cause you. Fire will cause you to come out of hiding like the people in the upper room. It will cause you to come out of a place of hiding. It will cause you to preach your first sermon and, and 3,000 people get uh, saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and come into the kingdom of God. Fire will prepare you and launch you into your destiny. Fire will bring you freedom and promotion like the three Hebrew boys when they got put in the fiery furnace. Because I remind you, the only thing that got burnt off of them was what was binding them and what was holding them back. Amen. It'll cause you to go into promotion. Amen. You know, the point of your story isn't your pain. It's the healing. I know all of us could talk about the pain we've endured and the pain we've had to had to have had cause to us in our lives but that's not the point of your story yes it's part of your testimony but the point of your testimony is what god did in the midst of your pain and he caused healing to come 
that is the point of your story. It's not what was done to you. It's like how, how, what God did to deliver you out of it. Amen? And the story that he gives it. God wants to put an end to the restrictions and the restrictive patterns of behaviors by doing things in a markedly different way. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19, it says, Forget the former things, the things of the past. Forget them. I mean, they can still be part of your testimony. But you know what I'm talking about? The, these, these women, and I minister to women a lot, so I, I do know what I'm talking about. They're the women who, they come to you and they say, This is what I'm dealing with. And you have compassion and you have mercy and you give them the word. And they tell you, I know what you're saying to me is true, but can I just give you a revelation? If you know what I'm saying is truth, there is no but after it. Truth is truth. And if you'll embrace the truth, the truth will make you free. The truth might hurt your feelings when you first hear it, but if you'll embrace it, it'll make you free. Amen. And these are the women who you tell, uh, this is the word of the Lord concerning your situation. And they say, I know what you're saying to me is true, but. And then they circle back around. And every time you see them and every time you deal with them, it is the same story, second verse. Until when you see them coming, you jump in a broom closet at church because you don't want to have to deal with them. Or you see them call on your phone and you hang up and you let it go to voicemail because you don't want to have to listen to one more level of their story because they don't know how to listen to the truth and let the truth make them free you know i'm talking about y'all nodding your head you know somebody in your life don't be that woman do the hard work let god do the work in you amen forget the former things the things that happened in your past do not dwell on the past see god says i'm doing what a new thing i'm doing a new thing in you i put here there's a leading but then there is a returning you know jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness but just a few chapters later, it says, or a few verses later, he returned in the power of the Spirit. See, there's a leading into this place called fire. There's a leading into it. But baby, after you go through it, there's a returning. And there's a returning in the power of the Spirit. There's something that's been forged inside of you that will be worthy for the kingdom. Amen? Amen. God wants to send the fire of the Spirit on the altar of your heart and burn up everything that isn't consistent with him and his purpose for your life. And I understand that there's a fear of allowing that to happen because you're like, God, if I let you burn this thing up in me, what if it just all becomes a big pile of ashes and there's nothing left of me? I can tell you, according to Isaiah 61, 3, that God will give you beauty for your ashes. and He'll make something beautiful out of you. Amen. God will bring out an anointing that he will use through your life to anoint the body of Christ with. Amen. He'll use it in your life. Fire has purpose, ladies. Fire. I know fire is scary, and I know that you're thinking, man, I wish you would have preached something a whole lot nicer tonight. I wanted to hear something uplifting, but I'm telling you, this is uplifting. Fire has purpose, and the fire of God will do in your life what it needs to do in your life. I remember one time going through a, a particularly fiery time, in my life when it, the fire of God was so hot. And I remember being at church on a Wednesday night and we were having a prayer service and I remember going to the, to the pulpit that was right here at the front and I put my head down, it like I put my head on it like this and I said, God, this fire is so hot. This fire is so hot. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Susan, if you'll embrace this fire, you'll become the fire. If you'll embrace the fire, ladies, you'll become the fire. And I remember another time in my life where I was going through the fire again. And this was one of the times where I actually went and laid myself on the altar of God. 
And I told the Lord, I said, God, I need you to burn up everything within my life that's not consistent with you. I need you to burn up everything within me that doesn't look like you. I need you to burn up everything, every agenda, every thought that I have that doesn't line up with your word. I need you to do this for me, God. And so I lay myself on this altar. And I remember another time being at church at prayer. And I was praying and I laid my head down on the altar, I mean on the pulpit again. And I said, God, I said, this fire is so hot, but I'm going to stay on this altar until I am well done. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Susan, you stay on that altar until you're well done and you'll hear well done. Which is the desire of all of our hearts is to hear well done. My good and faithful servant. So ladies, tonight, you know, I want to tell you something that the Lord spoke to me one time. You know, fire has purpose and God will never waste your pain. God will never waste your pain. And can I tell you, from your deepest wells of pain will come your most effective ministry. Because there will be a place that you can tap into and there will be an anointing that will come through you that will be able to be used to help other women and other people be set free. If you will allow it. Like I said, God is a gentleman and he is not going to force himself on you. He's not going to. He wants you willingly tonight to come and lay your heart on the altar of God and ask him to burn it up. Ask him to set you on fire. Ask him to ignite you. I wrote down because the Lord said, tell him, ignite us, Lord. This is what we want. Ignite us, Lord. Ignite means to set a fire, to cause to burn, to subject to fire or intense heat, to heat up, to excite, or to set in motion. That's what, that's what ignite means. God wants to set you in motion tonight. And he's got to start with your yielding to him and to his spirit and say, burn, baby, burn. Because remember, what we started out this whole thing with is that God is anointing and raising up a company of women that will be used in these last days to anoint the body of Christ for his return. And fire has purpose. Amen? Fire has purpose. Amen. So embrace the fire and become the fire. Amen? So the first part of this sermon or the first part of this altar call is going to be you coming and laying your heart down and saying, Lord, I'm putting myself on the altar of God. I'm going to put myself there too. Because obviously there's still a whole lot more in this vessel that needs to be burned up. Right? For the purpose and glory. I want God to do in me everything he needs to do in me. So that he can do through me everything he needs to do through me. And everything he wants to do through me. And it takes a yielding on your part to come and lay this down at the altar. And say, here I am, Lord. I want to be used by you. You know, maybe you're maybe using the using for you won't be going to Africa or going to nations. Maybe it'll be being at the school, being a teacher, that you walk through the halls and you'll lay your hands on these abused and neglected children and God will use you to impart the love of Jesus. He'll use you to impart power. He'll use you to impart healing to them. Whatever it is, maybe it's to minister to old people. Maybe it's just to clean toilets in your church. I can tell you when the, when the fire of God is on you and the fire of God is in you, you don't mind cleaning the toilet. I thank you, Jesus, that I get to worship at this throne. Hallelujah. That I get to do this, that I get to clean this toilet for somebody, that I get to do this right here for you because I'm doing it as unto the Lord. And, you know, someone who's got that kind of attitude, that's someone I know. Who's, has, who's allowed the fire of God to come on in because there's no job that's going to be beneath them. 
there's going to be no job that they don't mind doing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, I promise you, you want to know where I started out in ministry? It was cleaning the toilets at the church. That's where it started out for me. I was so hungry and so in love with Jesus, I didn't care what I did. I'd go and I'd say, what can I do? What do you need done? And the pastor would be like, well, the bathrooms need cleaning. I'm on it. I can clean a bathroom. And I mean, I got in there and I'd be praying in the Holy Ghost, stirring, getting that brush, stirring that thing up, all my hands and knees and my gloves up to here, hallelujah, cleaning up all that mess, cleaning up the kids' bathroom, which is the nastiest one of all, because little boys don't have aim, hallelujah. You're laughing because you know what I'm talking about. And then I'll say, you know, what else can I do? Well, we need some brownies for the youth thing. I can do that. I'm whipping up brownies, praying over them, saying, Father, I thank you that every young person that eats one of these brownies, Father, will be filled with the fire of the Holy Ghost. God, fill them and let them fulfill their destiny. God, don't let them waste time like I did with the first part of my life doing my own thing. God, let them set them on fire right now, God. I mean, whatever it was that they asked me to do, I did, and I did it with a joyful heart. Do you know why? Because I laid myself down on the altar of God, and I said, here I am, God. I want you to use me burn it up father purge it cleanse it chop it burn it whatever you have to do in me God do in me so that you can do through me what you want to do through me amen amen and so I'm going to open this altar up tonight and I'm going to ask you ladies to come and when you have when you've made your business with God I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to ask for the fire of God to come on you and I'm going to ask God to set you on fire from your toes up amen and I can tell you it's going to be the most exciting time of your life it's going to be, some of you need a fire built under your behind. Because you set too many days 